fun playing there. I played with some good players and played with some Hall of Famers, guys like Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. And, uh, you know, I played with Marcus Allen in Kansas City. I, I was fortunate. I played with some really good players over, over my career. I think if you play long enough, I played 17 seasons. So I think if you, you hang around that long, you're going to play with guys like Gary Zimmerman and Randall McDaniel and John Randall, you, you know, Chris Carty. You, know, you just hang around long enough, you're going to chance to play with some good players. Hey there, good evening everyone. Welcome in. It's another edition of Skull Stories. I'm your host Mike Wobshaw coming to you from TCO Studios at Winter Park. This is a fun edition of Skull Stories. We're going to talk some Vikings history with our first guest, former quarterback Rich Gannon, who's now calling games for the NFL on CBS and called the Vikings game last week against the Colts. Then we're going to get into some Vikings in the future as we welcome in Neil Reynolds of Sky Sports in London. He covers the NFL over in London. He's become a good friend of ours because the Vikings played in London in 2013, so we welcomed him to training camp before that season. And Now we're going to get to know Neil again because the Vikings are playing in London next year at Twickenham Stadium this time. So we're going to quiz Neil on the NFL's global popularity and how it's growing and what the league is doing internationally and specifically in Europe to help grow the game. So a jam-packed show tonight. We're excited to bring all of it to you. We're going to start it off, though, with Rich Gannon, one of my favorite analysts in the NFL is Rich Gannon. Does a great job calling games for CBS. Used to host a show on Sirius NFL Radio that was really good. He also lives in the area, so Rich has his eye on the entire NFL, but he's got a special place in his heart for the Vikings for a variety of reasons, including the fact that he used to play here, but also his father-in-law is Bill Boom Boom Brown, a legendary Vikings running back. We get into that with Rich, plus much more. Here's our conversation with Rich Gannon. Super fun to have Rich Gannon join us on Skull Stories, a former Viking, still involved in the NFL as a game analyst for CBS. Um, you know, Rich, your your career, which became illustrious and decorated, I will say, as a as an NFL MVP in 2002, you played in the Super Bowl. It began here in Minnesota. Yeah, it really did, and I was fortunate. You know, I, I, I came to the league in 1987. I really wasn't probably ready to play. I came from a program around the Delaware wing tee, so I had a lot of learning to do, and and uh, I was fortunate to be around some some good players and some good coaches. Bob Schnuckel just passed away, yeah. and uh, you know obviously he was uh, very instrumental in my growth and development as a young player. Uh, and so I, I, I think I got off on the right foot. I learned to do some things the right way, and it took me a little while to figure it out and, and finally get my own football team. But when I did, I had success. I want to go back to the, just the very beginning for you. You were drafted by the Patriots, actually but never played for them, and you, you came to Minnesota, which was obviously a blessing for the Vikings. But did, did you see it that way too? Was that a good thing for you when you got to Minnesota? Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew when I got drafted by the Patriots, it was a mistake. I mean, I, they weren't going to give me a chance to play quarterback. It's all I'd, I'd ever really played in my career in high school and college. And so uh, I got traded six days later to the Vikings. Um, didn't know a whole lot about the, the area or the team and came up here and just really fell in love. I still live here. I, I met my wife here, and so – 
I haven't, I've never left, even though I played in different places. I've always called Minnesota home. Yeah, and um, a lot of people listening, um, they're Vikings fans from either way back or they love Vikings history. And, you know, you mentioned your wife, your connection with Bill Brown. Yeah. You know, he's a Vikings legend. Yeah, he lives He lives less than five minutes from here. Unfortunately, he's in a memory care unit. He's, uh, you know, he played a long time for the Vikings, had a lot of concussions, and, and has had a lot of health issues, obviously, some dementia, some Parkinson's, and things like that. So, um, but he is he is close by. He still watches the Vikings every weekend yeah. religiously, and, and awesome. uh, he's able to get out once in a while to some of the events. But, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why we, we still live close to, to the facility. Yeah. You know, right away for you, um, NFC Championship game, your first season, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and then you went to the divisional round in your second season, and you were kind of involved in a situation where multiple quarterbacks were playing. What do you remember about those days, and how did that help you for down the road when you became a full-time starter? Yeah, it was kind of dysfunctional, really. Um, when I first got here, Tommy Kramer was a starter, and Wade was, you know, the backup, and and. Uh, you know, I, I quickly realized that the better player at that time was probably Wade Wilson, although the coaching staff didn't necessarily see it that way. And so they kind of went back and forth a little bit that first year in 87, but then Wade really took over and and uh, really had some success here and, and went to a Pro Bowl, in fact, one year. Um, we had a chance in that, that championship game, and it's amazing to think back to 87. You know, mm-hmm. we I think we were the only team that um, – that lost all their games in the in the in the strikes shortened season uh-huh. and wound up making the playoffs. So we had to kind of dig ourselves out of a hole that brought on by the the, the, the replacement players. Yeah. So, um, but we got a chance. We went to play uh, the Redskins uh, in Washington, and and we had a, had a chance there at the end. We couldn't get it done. What was it like playing with Anthony Carter? He was special. I mean, I remember watching as a young kid growing up, watching him at Michigan run the slant route. You know, number one going the distance and. You know, he, was, uh, he wasn't the biggest guy. He was a very good route runner, caught the ball really well. There's a handful of things that he just – and the slant routes, the go routes, some of the deep, deep crossing routes that he was just so, so good at. And, and he had – the thing that was so special about him was every time he caught the ball, he had a chance to score, regardless of where he were in the field. Yeah, um, a little bit of an underrated player in Vikings history. But, you know, right after him it was Chris Carter, Randy Moss. Of course, you have the great ones from the 60s and 70s. Um, but you overlapped with Chris Carter as well, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. I played with Chris for, for a couple of years. I think in '91, '92, um, and you know he was a very talented player. There's no question about it. I think the thing that he was really so good at was he just played well in space. You could move him inside in the slot, and he could go in there versus a corner. I mean, a nickel or a safety, and just beat him up. Go in there mm-hmm. versus a linebacker. He, you know, he was. The fact that his brother played basketball and Chris was a really good basketball player, I think, really helped him understand leverage and hmm. and, and uh, different things. Yeah, he was a really good player, and and even better, I think, when people were around him. You know, um, when I was doing some research just on your career, the early days in your career, a picture I came across was you and Mankato signing an autograph at training camp. What do you remember about training camps in Mankato? They were long and hard. Yeah. You know, I remember going back to my first. Uh, Training camp. I mean, I think we brought over 100 players to training camp, and it just seemed like it was, it was a battle of attrition. I mean, just you know, you you just thought, am I going to make the team? You know, yeah. you know, you just think, you know, it's it's, it's a long shot, and then every day you'd, you'd weigh in and you'd see that scale, and they'd have the names of guys that didn't make it, and they'd just cross them out. The black sharpie. I'll never forget that. I thought to wow. myself, I you go and look. Oh, he was just here yesterday, and he's gone today, and so. Um, it was tough. It was they were longer. They were like five five week camps, six mm-hmm. week camps, and we put pads on all the time and hit all the time, and it was it was hard. You went on to earn four Pro Bowls. You played for the Washington Redskins, the Chiefs, 
and of course the Raiders, that's where you went to the Super Bowl. What do you remember about the the latter years of your career where you had some really good seasons and you were on good teams? So it was individual success and some team success. Yeah, I think part of my legacy out in Oakland was just trying to turn change the culture and the environment. Mm-hmm. It was a really a dysfunctional place when I first got there. And, and over the course of time, myself and John Gruden and some players that we brought in really I felt it cleaned the place up a little bit, and we became a more professional outfit, if that makes any sense. But, uh, um, you know, I had fun playing there. I played with some good players and played with some Hall of Famers, guys like Tim Brown and Jerry Rice. And, uh, you know, I played with Marcus Allen in Kansas City. I, I was fortunate. Cool. I played with some really good players over, over my career. I think if you play long enough, I played 17 seasons. So mm-hmm. I think you, you hang around that long, you're going to play with guys like Gary Zimmerman and Randall McDaniel and John Randall, you, you know, Chris Carty. You just hang around long enough, you're going to chance you play with some good players. You know, Randall. You mentioned Randall McDaniel. Oh, Might have been the best guard ever, oh, right? He was so good. I, the, the story I remember about Randall is we were at training camp, I think his first year, and we were doing a, a running drill at the end of practice, and they had a bunch of us, regardless of the position, they had you run down, cover, and a kick. And I can remember, and I was a pretty fast guy. I remember receivers in that line, and Randall McDaniel jumped in our line, and he was the first guy down there. I mean, you think about it. The guy was like 300 pounds that could run like that. He was so athletic. I mean, he was strong and he was physical and he had great feet and you know, but, but he was so athletic and I think that's what made him such a great player. Um, you know, you still live in this area and you do games for CBS. You uh, you know, you you co-hosted a show on Sirius NFL Radio, so you're very involved in, um, with the big picture of the NFL. But I, I hope you know Vikings fans really really like you still. You know, Rich Gannon, the former Viking, they take pride in that. Um, do you, you feel that that bond oh, still? Oh yeah, with the I mean, I love, look, I love it. I love living here, and and uh, uh, you know, I get a chance to play in some of the local golf tournaments. Played in the Vikings yeah. golf tournament this year it was a lot of fun. So I, you know, now that my life's slowing down a little bit, I'm hopeful to be able to come back and, and do more things. You know, you, you get done playing, and, and for so many years it was all about me and my schedule, and my training. Yeah. And all. And then it, then it goes from that to the kids. And my daughter's, you know, one's a tennis player, a soccer player. So you go into all their events and, and, <laughs> and tournaments and things like that. So finally, you know, I got one who's graduating from college. I got one who's a sophomore in college. And so now things are starting to slow down a little bit. Yeah. And, and we're able to uh, take, catch, our, catch our breath. Last one, and then, and then we're done. I saw you chatting with Dennis Ryan, um, you know, at a Vikings practice, Bob Hagan. Good to see some of those old friendly it's faces. It's so good to see these guys and, and – uh, you think about people like Fred Zambaletti and Dennis Ryan, and, mm-hmm. and Bob's been here forever. And but you know those guys in particular. I mean, Dennis Ryan was so good to me as a player, and and uh, you know he's been, I think he's been the equipment guy here. I'm going to say 40 years or something like that. I mean, you know, it, I, I just think it speaks to to his character and his integrity and, and his commitment, his passion for Vikings football. Yeah. I think it also shows you the loyalty that this organization has for a guy that really has dedicated his life to really helping helping the players and the coaches and everyone in this building. Well, every time we, we run into you, whether it's at the Combine or you're here or whatever it is, you're always gracious with your time and you help us out. Well, you're great. We Thanks. appreciate that. I can't thank you enough. Love, love being back. It's fun to be here today. Yeah, Skull Vikings, right? Skull Vikings. Let's go. Okay, it's time for this program to go to break, but before we do a note, join host Mike Musman along with Everson Griffin at Valley Tap in Apple Valley on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. And for more Skull Stories, stay tuned.
Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. Our conversation with Neil Reynolds of Sky Sports in the UK coming up. But first, get your 2016 exclusive inaugural season gear at the Vikings locker room store open at U.S. Bank Stadium. For novelty items and apparel, visit the official Vikings locker room store at Mall of America, U.S. Bank Stadium, and online at vikingslockerroom.com. Also, scan your game tickets on the Vikings app for a chance to win big. All you have to do is link your tickets on the app and scan in at the entry gates and you could win tickets to Super Bowl 52 at U.S. Bank Stadium. You could also win 2017 Vikings season tickets or weekly autograph prizes. All right, let's talk some more football. It's Neil Reynolds from Sky Sports in the U.K. talking NFL International. All right, Neil, let's get going right away. Since the NFL began hosting games, back in 2007 was the first time, I believe, uh, at least in, in the modern era, that an NFL game was played in Europe. What changes have you noticed in how European fans follow the league? Uh, I think they're just following the sport in as many different ways as, as they possibly can, whether it be on social media now, uh, watching on BBC and, and Sky Sports. Uh, the Game Pass product does well, really well here in uh, in the UK, and I've really noticed sort of more younger fans coming in and uh, experiencing the game, whether that be uh, the events that are around everything that the NFL does around the London games, and then they go off and try flag football and things like that. So I think really they've, they have the ability now to consume the NFL in exactly the same way as a, as a fan in New York or, or Miami or Los Angeles. So they're a, they're a knowledgeable bunch because of that. Neil, what has the NFL done beyond hosting games, something that happens every year and that is overt and everyone sees? Beyond that, what has the NFL done in your eyes to try to expand its reach and popularity internationally? I think they've tried to make it more of an event, uh, more of a, uh, not just a, an NF, a thing on the NFL calendar, but part of the sporting landscape and and also to, to draw in new fans. It's about growing this game even more so that we go from three regular season games to four to a potential London franchise. And to do that, you bring in new fans and, and hosting uh, events like Regent Street where you can have 500 or 600,000 people exposed to the NFL activity across a whole day. Uh, you're gonna have your hardcore NFL fans there, but you're gonna have new people that are uh, not even aware that the NFL is, is in town and maybe give it a try. And, and again, it's all about growing the sport and growing the fan base. It's the Minnesota Vikings! Thank you. How you guys doing today? That's great. We're, hey, we are so excited to be here. London has really treated us well. We have a great fan base here and we're looking forward to a wonderful game tomorrow. Make sure y'all come out and support us, man. All the Vikings fans out here. We love you guys. All right. Well, we're coming back in 2017. We were there in 2013. So are you excited, Neil, to have the Vikings back, even though we're going to technically be the away team this year? Yeah, no, no, always, I've always enjoyed working with, uh, with the Vikings players. I've found them to be so helpful over the years. Uh, got to go on tour with Kyle Rudolph and Harrison Smith back in the day though, when they came over last time. That was a... Uh, a lot of fun. Don't remember all of it, but uh, we had a, we had a good time. And uh, yeah, I think it's a team that's uh, I think it's a team that's got star power on both sides of the ball. Really enjoy watching them play. 
uh, yeah, can't wait to have those guys back over. It can probably be pretty tough to convince teams to give up a home game to host one in London. So what sort of sales pitch do you think the league gives teams in an attempt to get them to host a game and give away one of their home games back in the States? And what are some benefits for teams who play games internationally? Uh, I think benefits are that they get, first of all, they get a great atmosphere. They get a, they get a tremendous, what's been described as a playoff atmosphere, uh, whether it be Wembley Stadium or, or Twickenham. Um, they have an opportunity, I think, to, to bond as a team. You, I talk to players around the NFL and they kind of like that aspect of uh, having to spend time together. They're kind of living in each other's pockets like a mini training camp uh, in season. And, and from, a, from a, I guess from a front office point of view, you know, for some of these teams, they, they're selling out the you know, Wembley Stadium, Twickenham Stadium. They're selling out. They're packed to the rafters. And that's not always the case for every team around the NFL. So that's a, a huge benefit to, to have a, a great atmosphere for their players to play in, in front of and, and putting a bit of an international stamp on their brand as well would certainly help. <laughs> Good morning from London and the National Football League. Twickenham built in 1909 and home to England's National Rugby Union team and today home to the NFL as the New York Giants play the Los Angeles Rams. All right, Twickenham Stadium. The Vikings played at Wembley Stadium back in 2013. This time it's going to be at Twickenham Stadium. The first game at this stadium was between the Giants and the Rams this season. The next one is going to be the Vikings and the Browns. So how does Twickenham differ from Wembley, Neil? And do you think that's a benefit for the NFL to develop more than one venue for games in London? Yeah, so the Vikings played at Wembley Stadium last time, and, and obviously that's been the home of English soccer. Twickenham is the, uh, the home of English rugby. When the Rams and the Giants played there in 2016, it was the first time uh, any other sport had ever been played inside Twickenham, uh, and it was uh, it was a great atmosphere. And the fans are so much uh, so much closer to the field at Twickenham. Um, and I think that the Vikings fans they travelled really well last time. The Vikings fans they kind of created a great atmosphere in, in Wembley Stadium. The Vikings and Steelers. It was a colourful atmosphere, a great game. Um, and I think the Vikings fans that attend Twickenham. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of special atmosphere they can create as they take on the Browns. Do you like the direction things are going, the NFL expanding internationally, with more and more of these games added each year? There's going to be four in 2017. I mean, the growth of the NFL has been incredible. When you look at from 2007, I think we felt fortunate to have one regular season game and then to go to to two per year, to three. I know the, uh, the Vikings were the first team to be involved in playing three per year to, to go to four now this year is you know if you're if you're a franchise in the US that's that's a half a home game slate and to have that now here in London um, is is just I feel like pinching myself it's incredible and I do think it helps build momentum and I still think uh, I still think we're heading towards a, a London NFL franchise and when you listen to players and coaches around the NFL there's there's a lot of people that are growing in terms of support of that. And more importantly, I think it's what the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, wants. And you listen to the likes of 
you know, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys, Robert Kraft, the influential owners around the NFL are, are kind of raising their hand and saying London needs a franchise. So I, I think that's going to happen. I think it will happen within the next five years or so. Some teams, Neil, travel earlier in the week to prepare for the game. The Vikings in 2013 went to London, I believe, on a Monday and started preparing on a Tuesday. But some wait until Thursday or Friday to travel. They go later in the week. Do you think there's an advantage one way or the other? I like it when teams come in early and they, they, they practice in, in and around London because I think it's a, an opportunity for, for us to kind of send the message out that the teams are here and they're part of the community and they do great community work with uh, you know, young children playing American football. But I also understand that coaches are, and players are creatures of habit and they're going to do whatever's best for them to kind of escape with a win. Statistically, I don't think it matters either way. I don't think it's been proven that coming in late works best. I think once the game kicks off, the team that makes the most big plays and <laughs> crucial plays wins, wins the game. I like it when they're here. Um, but the NFL, again, is testing different ways of that. You know, this past year, the Indianapolis Colts didn't have a bye week after they played in London. Those are all sort of different ways of looking at how can we test if we can sustain a franchise here. So it's going to come down to whatever Coach Zimmer wants to do, I think. Before that Viking-Steelers game back in 2013, Neil, you visited us to kind of preview and promote that game. You stopped by training camp that season. What are the chances that we'll see you again this offseason to start promoting some of these games overseas, including the Vikings-Browns game? Any trips planned to the Twin Cities? Yeah, I really hope I can come back and visit you guys. I, I didn't even have to come last year, and I, I wanted to. I came to training camp. You weren't even playing in London uh, because I always have such a great time when I visit the Vikings. You guys roll out the red carpet. You look after us. The players are tremendous to deal with, so... Um, if I'm coming when there are uh, in years when you're not playing in London, you might have trouble getting rid of me when, uh, when you are playing in London. I hope to be a, a regular visitor, and I want to check out that new stadium for sure. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Skull Stories, a jam-packed and fun episode. Our thanks to former Viking Rich Gannon and to Neil Reynolds for joining us to talk Vikings past and future. Speaking of the Vikings' future, in the near future, they play the Green Bay Packers. The game is on Saturday this week, not a Sunday Vikings game, a Saturday, Christmas Eve day edition of the border battle between the Vikings and the Packers. The boom is at noon with PA, Greg Coleman, Pete Bursich, and Ben Lieber bringing you the call. Mike Musman will host the pregame show. That's going to start at 10 o'clock. And then we have kickoff at Lambeau Field. Should be a lot of fun. The Vikings still alive in the playoffs, but can also play spoiler to the Green Bay Packers. It should be a lot of fun, as it always is at Lambeau Field. On behalf of Skull Stories producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. This edition of Skull Stories is over. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everyone listening. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week.